waiting for you. Hey, what's wrong? Oh, it's nothing. It's just a readjustment. Welcome to the Road to Damnation Podcast. Change the cunt. Check it. <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Road to Damnation, a heart heresy podcast uh, brought to you by New Shane. Hello. What's going on? A- AKA Kyle. <laughs> um, and also Mongo. What's up, guys? And myself. Um, tonight we have a pretty interesting one. We're a little bit late behind the April, I guess, in terms of we're going to talk about the rules specifically relating to Book 9 and just strictly stick to that because we don't want to give away too much of the book. But for the time being, what has everyone been up to? Alright, let's go with Mongo first. Alright. Um, so, hobby progress for me has been, has definitely, I've throttled back a little bit. I've been working on building a, uh, some terrain, like usual. Uh, building a, a new full 6x4 out of uh, foam. Not using the battle mat this time. Kind of building a cityscape. And then I've just been doing a uh, Kind of like one-off projects, trying to wrap up some other non-heresy pro, um, little hobby things that I've been doing, just kind of like to expand my uh, uh, painting palette. They're just trying to paint stuff outside what I normally do to kind of help grow, uh, uh, grow my skills, I guess you could say. And then I've been going back and just touching up some of the terrain that I had. So I was. Over the weekend, I was working on some some of the scatter that I have because you have it, and it gets beat up after a time. You know, it falls apart. You got to re-glue it and put it back together, and then it needs touch-up paint. So really not very sexy and exciting stuff, but stuff that's needed to get done has been my uh, my little bit of hobby, pro- hobby progress since uh, last episode. You are forgetting one piece of hobby progress. I am, probably. We made that up. Last weekend. That's right. I forgot. We ran a. Uh, we that's right. We ran a demo game, a demo day at our local uh, local gaming club slash store. So it's not so much like a slash a media production. Yeah, slash media production too. <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's a club too. So they've got a pretty cool setup. Um, they just move locations. A uh, bunch of different tables in there. I'm helping them out with some trade in the store. And uh, what we did was we ran a uh, kind of like an open game day slash heresy demo day. So we brought in some terrain and some armies, and people could show up and and play. We kind of taught a couple new players how to uh, how to play the heresy. So we had six people show up that were pretty new. A couple of people that had never played before, and it's pretty awesome when the majority of people in your game store in the game place are playing heresy and heresy players so there were 40k players there there were some aos players and some conflict 47 but heresy definitely dominated and that's pretty awesome how weird is it having to teach people heresy because obviously heresy is based on an older rule set right 
So how yeah. weird is it that we're now having people who've not grown up with this rule set and we're having to teach them? Yeah, so the some of the guys that we were teaching really hadn't ever played 40k before, so it was it was fresh for them and it was new. The some of the other people had played previous ones, but it's been a couple of years since they played uh, the earlier versions of 40k. They've been playing eighth and ninth ed, so there is definitely a, a learning gap there with the with the large change of rules that they had going from seventh to eighth, but. You, you pick it up pretty quick, and it, it was awesome. And from what I could tell, everybody had a great time. I think we're definitely going to be doing more of those. I ideally would like to do one every month, except for the months that we run an event. So I guess if you're listening to this, just stand by and keep an eye out. Uh, hopefully we'll have more kind of casual game days. I, I don't know if we'll do as many focused demo days, but what I think and what I'd really like to do is to maybe do uh, some open game days and do some of the campaign and battles out of the black books. So, yeah, even if, even stand if by for that. Even if you're not like used to playing Heresy, doesn't mean you can't show up to a campaign day. Yeah, or... let, us, let us know that you want to come, and we, we have enough models between all of us to set <laughs> you up with an army and a t-shirt. This is the show. Models. So now let's move on to New Shane or AKA Car. <laughs> so, um, so I've been uh, recently. I, I picked up uh, some more stuff for my Mechanicum. Um, picked up some Zora actually the first time. Man, those are really cool models. Like just really, they look cool. The rules are cool. They're they're just cool, man. They're like angry praying mantises that are just murdering things. Like Vorax are quickly become my favorite new unit. Um I I after getting book nine I also kinda dabbled around with uh painting up a little Night Lord squad. It hasn't really progressed much because I got those Vorax in and that's really what's holding my attention. But I do wanna make a make a little make a terror squad and see see how I like painting it and kinda go from there. Nice. Nice. Tell us, dude, I need to send you those. Oh, yes. Also, uh, Kyle also has extra hobby progress he's not mentioning, a.k.a. playing a game. I I do? What? Yeah, didn't you play a game recently? I think it no. was, like, uh, against Empress Children. Oh, 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 yes. I did, I did play, uh, this was a while ago. I guess we haven't recorded in a long time. Um, right, so I, I bring up all this stuff that I remember. Off the top all of the, all this old information now. Yeah, I did. I did play my buddy um, Christian in a in a really big, not a really big, but three thousand point game, uh, Ember's Children versus Mechanicum. Um, there were uh, some really cool highlights from that. Um, Christian dropped a uh, he dropped a Paragon Blade wielding champion uh, in my back lines. I attacked my Thanatar and actually um, managed to wound him, which requires a six, which for the Paragon Blade is instant death, which is uh, probably the scariest thing on Earth to a Mechanicum player, you know, when you're staring at this 300-point model that's just going to die. Um, but, you know, that Thanatar man, he rolled his six when it came to his invulnerable stage and then promptly squished the champion. 
So, yeah, it, it was definitely a very, um, I guess, clutch or kick moment. Uh, but but it was a uh, it was a really fun game. Um, you know, I, I've known Christian almost my whole life, so we try to we try to play games up here every every couple weeks. That's awesome. In terms of my hobby progress, um, you know, apart from being really busy with work and moving us from one building to another, uh, it's really been, I don't know if we've recorded before this, but I painted up some breaches to run in the ZM event. Um, and now I'm just painting up like heavy support squads that are, I'm going to throw into my death guard. I'm, I'm really trying to opt away from carrying the blatant Spartan with the uh, Death Star look going to it. As I did that with the de uh, Salamanders and Dalith was kind of optimized to do that. For this, I'm really trying to go with like out of the ordinary weird stuff. So like I, I plan to put a Tech Marine in there with a uh, 5 Server Automata. Um, Carrying uh, rad, uh, is it rad? Rad like missiles. Yeah, yep. with rad missiles, um, and kind of going for like the weird and quirky stuff versus what you would typically see on the table. I was even with the hussar squads. I was thinking about adding those in to give my army a little bit more of a a pace because of um, if I ran the reaping, it would be a very slow drudging army. But if I have them, they might add a little bit of speed for objectives. Yeah, and they can they can really keep up with your sabers too, right? Uh, what are you what are you arming your heavy support squads with? So I'm actually just building a whole bunch of them. So I've done right now. I'm in the midst of painting the uh, rocket launchers because mm -hmm. uh, who loves rocket launchers are just awesome. Uh, for me, like unsung heroes of like the heresy. <laughs> it's just they die really quickly, but if they don't die, they put out a lot of heavy. I mean, missile launchers are definitely, I think, really good. Um, I mean, you're, you know, you're slinging strength eight AP three shots into a, you know, a game that's really built around marine armor stats and saves. Right. So, I mean, you're potentially just, you know, whacking off a couple marines per turn. Um, they're also really so whacking off. <laughs> they're also. They're also really terrifying against Mechanicum. Right, so I, I'm doing them, I'm doing the uh, Volkai Squadron, I'm, I've got, I, I was thinking about doing the Rotary Cannons, uh, or the, uh, I feel like they put out a lot, and the Laz Cannons, for sure. Like, yeah. I'm really trying to not go with the obvious. I'm going to take a Spartan, a Land Raider, like, I really want my list to be, like, something that people don't come up against too often yeah and i mean the added benefit of being death guard is i forget what what award it is but your the support, yeah your heavy support guys are, are non-compulsory troops so you can right. just leave them in the background and they'll they'll capture little objectives for you and everything right so it's 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 been a fun list so far definitely more creative like the saber fits the fast attack options so well for the reaping really limits you to just one of those so I think the saber is like the perfect addition, and and what Mongo has not said yet. So I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> Magic of editing. <laughs> uh, saber is a great. Well, that's right. Um, I'm pretty sure. I... 
someone would be really annoyed if we say what editing. Um, at this point, it's I like the saber as the option for the fast attack. I like having multiple different heavy support squads so I can chop and change. But it's it's really going to be away from the the tank setting that a lot of armies tend to go with, just to add that variance. But that, that's really my hobby progress. Um, in terms of news that is relevant and going forward, I, you know, not that I'm aware of, but any events that are coming out. Actually, there is one piece of news that I should probably mention. If you did miss the Mournable Events rulebook, if you reach out to Hollister... Andrew Hollis. <laughs> don't reach out to your local Hollister store. They will the not know what... If you want some sweet <laughs> clothes, too. Um, they will not know what you were talking about. Right. If yeah, Andrew Hollis, if you reach out to him, they are doing another order for the Mournable Events rulebook. Just the yeah, rulebook. I think Make you can sure find you have that. your uh, shipping address correct, though. Correct. Yeah, I think you can find that information on their Facebook page, which is uh, AUS30K. So Oz30K. Oz30K. I think you can find it through Tag Events also. Yeah. I think they're kind of so, like one of the same. So uh, if you missed out on that, that truly is, uh, if you were talking about rules written outside of Forge Worlds, they are second to none they're 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 amazing at what they do and definitely worth adding to your collection and it's a phenomenal product i guess we should uh if we're shouting out mortal events we should shout out uh king fluff in his fantastic uh great crusade books too absolutely uh i don't know if king fluff is producing those again but the pdfs are available i think there was going to be another run it may have already passed um, but I know there was a, a second printing. When I reached out to him, he he just, you know, said anyone I inquired to send him the PDFs. So if you need the PDFs, uh, he is more than willing to give them to you. I don't know if there's going to be another run on them, but they are definitely another phenomenal heresy item to grab hold of if you can that isn't from Forge Worlds. Am I missing anything else? I think that's it. On to tonight's topic, book nine, the rules for the Dark Angel. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens? This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. Alright guys, now we're on to the more important factor of tonight, where we talk about book nine. We're only a little bit late. Um, and I feel like we're going to start with, uh, fake Shane or new Shane, new Shane's, new Shane's, uh, favorite Legion of the, uh, whole entire world. And that is, uh, Dark Angels, the first oh, Legion. We are doing Dark Angels. Hold on. I need to switch my pages back. Oh, did you not want to do Dark Angels first? I, I felt like we were just on I opened up to Night Lords, but it's fine. We can go with Dark Angels. I thought you on such a tangent where you're just gonna roll with it at this point. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta keep the fire going, man. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're gonna take Shane's place, we gotta keep prodding the fire and making sure it works. <laughs> what's what's that quote from uh, like the two towers? Like, light the fires of industry, Saruman. 
<laughs> they cut down all the trees. <laughs> Alright. So, as long as you guys probably are aware, I think the Dark Angels got nerfed. Prove me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 100% agree. I think they went from being one of the, um, I'd say, like, upper tier echelon legions. Um, and I think they are pretty much, like, right in the middle, which, honestly, for being the the template legion, um, I think that's where they should be. I have the unpopular opinion of thinking that I think, Angels should not be I, the best at anything. I think you're a little biased, and I want you to show me where the Dark Angels touched you on this doll. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, it, it'd, be, it'd be all over where the molecular acid hit me. <laughs> all right. So bringing that up, that is definitely the first thing that got hit was the molecular acid rounds. It moved them from uh, AP, from a D6 AP, to a flat four. At, still at cost of that points five. In my opinion, it is now... I think that's appropriate right there. For five points per model, for what it does with Fleshbane, you're going to be wounding on twos. I think it's that's a perfectly good upgrade. It was definitely under cost before. And I played yep. Dark Angels. Yeah, so 100%. I, I, I could back that one. That's cool. Hashtag I, buy Felicia to um, all the, the people who spammed it. I would have preferred a points increase on that instead to kind of keep something along those lines. But I'm, I'm fine with it either way. The point I think I, oh, go ahead, Lewis. Uh, the, the point I wanted to make is, you know, the chemical ammunition guys, which are the Death Guards, I don't think they have a single poison weapon that hits on a two-up. I mean... That's pretty ridiculous. It, I think it's going to still be good in its own way. It's just not going to be, as our friend Cody would say, the random generic fun of trying to roll the dice for that one. Oh, yeah, definitely 100%. I mean, it is still statistically like better, right? It's still I mean, good. especially when, yeah. You, yeah, when you fight things like Mechanicum, um, mm -hmm. it's flat out better. You're going to um, mow down Thalax. And yep. what it's really good for, it, it's like a better auto cannon right now. You get some extra shots. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's not. Yeah. It's not bad. What was before? Lose, I would yeah. say was broken. Yeah. Especially for the points cost of five points for each. Yeah, it was a little, a uh, little out of control. Coming from a dark age. Had to throw. Had to throw that out there again. All right. I mean. Wow. No, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, overall, like, if you if you were talking about the weapons and gear that they have, that was really the most major change that happened in terms of what they were able to take. Um, for me, I, I don't think Dark Angels are going to be considered a beginners-friendly list anymore. No, I think their, their list building, um, <clears throat> I think it's, it can be complicated, and, um, I think, uh, I think also some of their some of their unique upgrades for characters. Um, Admiral Akbar is going to yell at you, and it's a trap because it is definitely a points trap. The fact that you can upgrade just characters, like you know, you could you could upgrade all your sergeants potentially. Like I mean, but you're sinking if if you give them one of the hexagrammaton and the uh, heka heka whatever. You know, it's fifty points. That's a that's a centurion right there that you're paying for, like on a sergeant. Before you say that, what so, is 
the hecaton. Right. Hexagrammaton. Hexagrammaton. Yes. I'm saying the word right. It's the first for me. I'm going <laughs> to. All right. So you have the hexagrammaton and the hecatonistica. So the hecatonistica is only available to independent characters. So you're not going to throw that on your sergeants, but you could be throwing an extra 50 points onto a praetor or a or a centurion level character. That's that's a lot of points right there. That's a whole yeah. lot of points. Especially for what you get from some of these. And some of these are you can directly correlate them to maybe a like a, a five point upgrade or two. So And some in of my them opinion, even they should be right, right now they're all flat costed at twenty five points each. So I think that if they assign a point value to each of them individually rating kind of like aligning them with other buffs that are very similar, they would come down. And I think they'd probably range between 5 and 15 points. That. Yeah, I think the only one that really strikes me as as maybe hitting that 25 cusp is the, the Firewing with the yeah, Hatred. With the, with the Hatred. Yeah, Hatred's pretty good. But, um, I mean, really, I mean... Is it, is it still 25 points? So that's a pretty big, pretty big buff. It, it is expensive, but I, I think part of my bigger problem with these is I feel like there wasn't there's not a lot of hit uh, there's not a lot of thought process behind them because you look at sign of the Deathwing, right where you get you get to reroll your first failed hit of any phase while engaged in a challenge well you're when you're a sign of the firewing you gain hatred which means you're rerolling failed hits in the first round of combat like it's just it's just flat out better like why would you ever pick Sign of the Deathwing, except for from you know a, a fluff perspective. Before I get too far into like the scions and stuff, I, I feel like we need to cover like the changes to the Dark Angels themselves and the Legion benefits of running the Dark Angels. Like, there's no longer that uh, penalty for having um, less models on the field by the end of the game, right? believe they got rid of the extra victory points to the opponent if you have less models. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I felt I like that, that was the only thing that changed with them. That 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 plus they added the signs of the hexagrammaton and the uh, in violation alone. But other than that, like that was a massive thing for it's kind of like makes them a little bit easier to play with now because you're not immediately like, oh, I have less models. D3 victory points. Well, Let's see they, how many. They did kind of incorporate some of that um, that drawback into the Rites of War. So right. The... Some of the Rites of War do have kind of steep limitations depending on which one you get. Alright, so, 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 so we, and before anyone goes out there and thinks they can still run the old Dark, uh, Dark Angels rules from the earlier edition. It's... I'm sorry. Like, There's the this, door. <laughs> this is the new set of rules. Everything beyond that is con uh, written before is considered garbage at this point. This is the new set of rules. Right, let's just get it, make sure that's out there so people are like, if you... Oh, no, you can still... No, you can't. This is it. Like, there are all the rights of wars for the Dark Angels. There's the Legion rules. They're not going to say either or. Like, I just want to make that point, too. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure why, <clears throat> because they specifically included in the Night Lord section that you know this overrode. Um, right. Didn't in the Dark Angels because like with GW, it's always been the most recent publication is the is your gold standard. I wonder if um Forge World forgot that they had written some Dark Angels rules at some point and realized that it probably wasn't relevant. <laughs> Maybe they just assumed that everybody would know that these had such large fundamental changes to the way that you build Dark Angels lists. Because before yeah. Embrace of War, you didn't need to have Scions um, that were appointed. Now, you have to to Embrace of War. Alright. That's just so, part of the tax that we have. So you mentioned the Scions, Chris. Like, how important are Scions to Dark, dark Angels at this point? So, fluff-wise, they're huge, right? And when you're running a Rite of War, it's also the um, so really there there are six new Rites of War, and they each correlate to one of the wings, and for each of those wings, there's also a sign. With that, you're a Praetor or if you want to go to a warlock, and usually the character that's in your compulsory troops is usually going to have to take the sign on too. So you're looking at on average around seventy five point points per writing uh, Now, is there any particular scion that you would feel is better than any other, or do you think they're all pretty much across the board decent, even though they're quite a point sink? No, no, no. They're definitely... Some of them are good. Some of them are better than others. And some of them really aren't even a big deal with certain rights of war, like especially like the Eschaton of Gold. Which is your red wing right of war. With that, you can. With that, you can uh, end up running your uh, interrupter squads, which the interrupter squads, since they were updated in this book, now have which red wing in their uh, in in their regular point spells. So it's included in there. So you aren't really paying that tax, and that's it's fluffy and it's a part of that one. So if you're running those interrupters. You already have that, and you're doing your. You just have to include it there. But some of the other rights of war, especially like Stormwind, you're going to be running that on each and every one of your compulsory troops and the other ones. So you have to buy it there. You can't really run it there. So it, it, it's kind of a balancing act. You do get some, you do get some extra rules on there. But like we said before, they're not really points costed to similar benefits that you get from other elements. So maybe we'll see that in a future pack. Not sure. What do you guys say? I, I, I'm sure I'm sure Kyle has something to say on this one. <laughs> so I my I guess my question to you, Chris, is um what what wing is your favorite? Like what are you because I know you're you're kind of planning a Dark Angels list, so so kind of, I guess, can you speak to us a little bit about what your favorite is and why? I I like the Dreadwing and the Ironwing. I'm really into tanks. I like them both. I think they're pretty cool. I was kind of disappointed that there wasn't like a ZM-specific Red of War. Like, I was, I was really yeah. hoping for that. I really was. So with that said, 
I want to build my force initially, I'm probably just going to end up using ZM by war and not really run run a whole lot of science and stuff like that. It's just going to be kind of like a generic list on that. But when I expand, I'm still torn between the Eschaton Imperatives, which is the the Dreadling Iron 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 steel fist. So they're both pretty cool. Um, I will I will say that while they didn't get um they did not get a ZM specific rate of war, I will say I think they got a Centurion specific rate of war though. Maybe not Centurion specific, but it's it's pretty infantry heavy, right? The uh, Stormwing there. Yeah. Which I think people thought and I thought it was gonna be a ZM but that it's it's pretty cool. I think it's a hard one to run, but if you pull it off, I think it could be really fun and really really cool. In yeah, I I think it's definitely um, I think the the Stormwing is definitely my favorite Red of War for them, just because I I've always loved Centurion mode and just you know seas of uh seas of gun pigs going at each other with with bolters and and fists. Is uh is just super cool to me. So I I really like the the Stormwing Red of War. It's it's pretty cool because it gives you some of the uh, it, it's really similar to the, I think it was fifth or sixth edition guard where you had orders orders that you give your units. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty cool. I I enjoyed that. I thought that was really cool and fluffy, and I like the whole. So looking at the rights of war. Which of the rights of war would you say is the more popular? I'm gonna call it the more popular one, I guess. Uh, the easier one to for people kind of getting into the game or don't have knowledge of building a good right right of war list. And which one would you say is probably the worst right of war that has come out for them? Um. So I think the easiest one, if you're gonna go the specific. Dark Angels Right of War seems to be the Unbroken Val, which um, looks like a pretty much like a Pride of the Legion list. Um, you get um, Veteran and Terminator squads are uh, are troops. Um, I'm just looking to see. I would say the easiest one to run is Pride of the Legion. Don't, well, <laughs> I would not start with these ones. If you're if you're starting in, run Pride of Legion. Maybe run like uh, Armored Spearhead, and then once you, then maybe move into Pride of the Legion. What's the best one that you think most people are going to run? I think we're going to see a lot of the Dreadwing. It's cool. It sounds cool. It's the Dreadwing. Um, now is the Dreadwing one, <laughs> and it might be my arrogance, the one where it's. Uh, Base uh, all terrain dangerous and difficult. All the terrain is going to be difficult terrain. You can lay down a few dangerous terrain spots. Well, the problem with that is the Dreadwing lets you move through difficult terrain for your infantry squads, but it doesn't talk about transports. And one of the requirements for that Red of War is that you have transports. So you better buy some dozer blades. Or you're gonna have a really, really bad day. Yeah, I'm not sure what they were thinking of. Um, 
kind of going on that. I, th- I think, you know, they might have just missed that and then, you know, maybe just played without it. Um, I, I think with Dozer Blades, you'll be okay. Uh, but there is going to be... <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of immobilized vehicles. Yeah, like, I, I really don't get it. Um, there's there's some rules and some other red boards that they could have just plugged in here, and it would have worked pretty well. But I I don't know. I think um I think the other really popular one you're gonna see is the Serpent's Bane, which is the Firewing Red of War, um, which is about assassinating like enemy characters and elites. Right, Chris? Yeah, I think that one, if I was gonna run one and I had to pick one of these to run in Zone Mortalis, it would be the Serpent's Bane. It's pretty cool. So it lets you infiltrate, you get some rage in the first couple turns. Uh, you select a couple of units that you're gonna that you have to kill by the end of the game, so it throws a different dynamic in there. One thing that kind of concerns me though is these some of these rights of wars have they're kind of like operating outside of your normal mission, so they either have a new another objective, or they have an objective that you have to to need to to win if you go through that campaign. So it's kind of I think. I know the demon list is kind of like that. I think it's kind of like heading off in that direction, which can make it kind of complicated if you have people and you're running specific missions for events that need to be tailored, and then the interaction between some of these rights of war and some of those missions and the other missions in the black books, it might create some some conflicts on that. Yeah, yeah, I think. It, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. We gotta be, and as event organizers, being cognizant of that when you do write your write your missions and your events. Right, they're they're definitely gonna be a, a legion that you'll have to pay pretty close attention to when writing the the missions for an event or coming up with the idea for the event. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly <clears throat> maybe even think that. Um... Like a, a player, you know, if I was, if I was like a Dark Angels player, you might even want to reach out to your EO and let them know kind of ahead of time, like, hey, you know, I'm going to be running this right of war just so that they can kind of think how they can maybe like incorporate that in if they have, you know, a specifically crafted mission. Because I do think, you know, you guys are completely correct in that it's, it's going to cause a lot of confusion and, and there's going to be a lot of like, well, hey, Mongo, can you come over to the table? Because we don't know how this interacts with your scenario. Not that Mongo writes bad scenarios. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, I, I think there is going to be a lot of confusion because I think most events tend to be run with, with custom scenarios or scenarios straight out of the black books. I know for our events, we take a lot of our mission ideas from the black books because a lot of people don't realize how good some of the missions are in there. And how they could be tailored. But I, for me, it's it's definitely going to be interesting. It's definitely a new take on rights of war, for mm-hmm. um, creating lists. Like normally, a right of war is pretty. It's not too dissimilar from a lot of the popular ones out there. Um, for Dark Angels players, I feel pretty bad or happy in a way that they don't have that D three minus D three victory points anymore. Also. I 
still like when I saw acid rounds, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I, I think the D3 minus victory points was completely justified before. Completely justified with the way it is. Well, so now, so now I'm going to ask you, right? So we've been teased throughout the years of models that were coming for the Dark Angels, and now we have the Black Book. Is there any models in particular that stand out to either of you that you think is, like, maybe it's a little bit too pricey? Because none of their units have implacable advance, so they're not scoring. They are pretty pricey. So for me, I feel like overall I'm not too worried about it because they're quite a heavy point sink. The only issue that I have, and I know we're not covering Fluff, is the um, Exindio class battle automata because in the Fluff section, it specifically talks about how they have 10 total. And uh, I just feel like we're gonna see, we're gonna see some of these bad boys on the on the field, and, and we'll get into them and, and kind of why. I think they're cool, but I I do think that um, I I wish that it almost had like the unique um trait where you could only take one. That's what I'm saying. It is three hundred points, though. We are talking. It is. It, it's. The Leviathan is up there in points cost. That's it's a pretty heavy point sink. Yeah, I think that uh, it might be a little heavy on the points for that unit. We'll have to see how it actually plays out in the battlefield. Maybe a little bit heavy, but like Kyle said, I I agree. I think it's one of those things, kind of like custodes on this, right? How often the full custodes on this really play? Yeah, outside no. of or outside of black. Right. It just kind of breaks the right. right. Um. But I don't think it's. I hope that they make a cool model for it. Yeah, yeah, and and I hope that it's on a like a hundred millimeter base because this thing <laughs> would be terrifying in some mortalis. I don't think it's going to be more terrifying than some Domicon. Um, I mean, I think it would be just as terrifying as a Leviathan, if not more. Although I do think a Leviathan is better than this. Well, yeah, no. I, I think so. Leviathan is a pretty heavy point sink. I I like Leviathan the idea. Two seventy. Uh, if you run it with the loadout, just like stock, a, stock melee. I think it's like off the top of my head above three hundred points. Somewhere I think it's around. like three hundred if you push. I think it's like two seventy, but in, in any case. All right. In any case, so we have the inner circle knights that we've seen and. We all know that they can upgrade themselves to a Thunderhammer for free. I don't know yeah. whether that should have been the deal with them, because they're specifically sword-oriented, so I feel like that was kind of like a... But they're up there in the points cost of uh, Fire Drake, by the looks of it. I mean, it's 275 for a unit stock. So... For me, I... Yeah, I mean, they, they are definitely expensive. Um, I think one of the things that uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about, um, but it seems like the new Legion unique units, you know, like the Synovium or um, like uh, Raptors for the Night Lord, stuff like that. Um, they are, they also or not the Raptors. I'm sorry, the um, Contenkar. Uh, their their sergeant of a unit uh, feels like a like a straight Centurion for the most part. Like they don't, they don't really feel like it. Like they're, I think they're definitely 
better sergeants. Um, I kind of like it, um, and I kind of don't at the same time because I, I do. I actually wish that you saw um, more Legion Centurions because I think I think that is cool. Um, I would on, you know, I just think you never see like baseborn Centurions. Right. You don't. I mean, how many games have you played where it's either Praetor, Master of Signal, um, you have the Siege Breaker, um, if yeah, you're I playing mean, a Falcon like, uh... Point Stellar Goddess, I, I mean, you hardly ever see, like, a Pravian, you hardly ever see, um... I, I think, really, like, the only choices you see are, um, you see Devil Goddesses in, you know, sub-1,000 points, games. yeah, yeah. Yep, and you see Praetors, and that's pretty much it. Um, so, I mean, it would almost be cool, honestly, if instead of, like, giving them a, a special title, uh, if they were just, like, you know, Legion Centurion, and he gets his own, like, boyfriend squad just to go around and, you know, cut people down. I'd be cool with that. Uh, to be honest, I, you know, I think they've done a pretty good job with the Dark Angels units. In the back of the book, they're a little bit point costed. They have some pretty unique rules, but overall, I'm not too displeased with them. I don't even play Dark Angels, so I'm not gonna say Dark Angel bias, <laughs> but I I feel like they're pretty point costed. Yeah, they have some funky new rules that people are gonna be interested in playing against, but I I feel like they're pretty point costed towards that. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh... I I think the rules and the points are fine. What I really want to know is which unit do you guys think looks the most coolest? For me, um, it's the Plasma Squad. Yes. <laughs> the Interruptors? Yes. <laughs> I think yeah, those well, capture for me what the Dark Angels are. It's like a bunch, of, a bunch of Terran veteran badasses that have been fighting the Great Crusades since it began. That's right. what those guys look like. Kyle. Yeah. yeah, I think um, you know, just from a model wise standpoint, like I, I'm actually I'm looking at the the Knights Novium right now. Um, you know, the models I think look good. Um, they they're definitely like uh, a 3D sculpt. Uh, you know, there's kind of like some really thick details and stuff that I'm not a big fan of. Uh, but I do think that uh, yes, the like the the Synovium are much more like Callow the Knight. You know, they have that very um, Middle Ages, medieval aspect to them, but the Interrupters are definitely like, we don't give a shit, we're a bunch of old vets, and we're just going to kill everything in front of us. Like, I get that vibe from them. I, I yeah. feel like, if you were to talk about the model from a physical standpoint, and we've done this at some point, they put too much uh, filigree on the Dark Angels, and I get it, they were knights, but if you look at old historical knights from like back in medieval times, they're not covered and decorated and all of this stuff in battle armor, you know. And what I like about the the plasma—I'm going to call it a plasma because I'll butcher the name. <laughs> <laughs> that is to me a typical heresy model. Like mm -hmm. yeah. the helmets it's... are phenomenal. The the sculpts are great. The guns look awesome. It's, it's pretty to... clean. Right. I, I, for me, that, and they're in Mark Three by the looks of it. So, yep. I love that armor. 
comp. I think it's probably the best for Heresy, and I, I think it, it looks great. Yeah, I can say that. I've had a Dark Angel army that I've never actually played with, and uh, these guys really made me want to, uh, you know, actually get my ass in gear and. So is this disembodied voice that's just? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And right now. Go ahead, Chris. Thanks, Mia. You're welcome. I just thought you guys needed to hear that so you could actually podcast right, you know. So. Appreciate it. I uh, I agree on the uh, the Knights Zenobium. I I think they're amazing looking models. They just don't. There's too much shit on them. Just not my taste. I guess I can say. Awesome job making them. They look great. I think that they might look better in a 40k uh, Deathwing army. But with that said, they're awesome. Run them. They look cool. If I run them, I'll probably trim off some of those details just because it's not my taste. I want them in the dark. Nasty spikes covered in fucking rusting armor. Look, these guys that will fight for 200 years with a good crusade. Yep. Yeah. It, it. It, the Knights of Opiums look like they uh, sit in the background and, and don't enter the fight with their ornate armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the painting is definitely uh, a little bit too clean, I think, for the, the heresy vibe from the Forge World. Alright, so enough of the units we have seen, models we haven't seen, and th- this is probably the last point we want to really cover on the Dark Angels is the two independent characters they purchased uh, for our this book, in Corswain and Mardu Sedras. I hope I said those names. Yeah. How well, you... there was also close enough. Uh, um, don't forget there was the two that they released as well, right from the Road to Thranos. That, that independent characters. That's, that's Corswain and uh, Mark. Uh, Mark. I can't even say it now. No, uh, they they had two others loose that uh, yeah there was two in the book. Yep, they're in a PDF. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not gonna. I'll, I can I can go ahead and talk about these. I'll find it. So yeah. first first we have Course Wayne, who is pretty much the first captain of the Dark Angels. So he leads the Legion when the line is out of time. He's uh, costing at two hundred points. I would say he's compared to some of the other. Uh, independent characters that cost around 300 points, he's probably a little bit thin on points, even though he's 10, 15, 20 points. He's what, skill 7. Um, beyond that, he's a baseline vehicle. He's got some pretty cool armor. He's good in combat and uh, challenges, so he gets instant death and challenges when he's in combat. So he's plus. He's got a pretty cool sword called the Blade. Uh, like a special stand-up great sword, melee two hundred, master blaster, AP one. Problem is, it doesn't specifically say that he gets the benefit, his uh, legion benefit on this. So if he is hitting, fighting someone that is what skill seven, he'll be hitting them with fours instead of threes because it's his sword does not technically fall within the list of weapons for the dark angels special rule. It is considered a Tyrannic Greatsword, so if I was running an event, I was playing against somebody, I'd, I'd let him. I think it's just a focus point on Yeah, I agree. Right. Unless I was playing Chris, then, then you'd hit me on fours. Right. Well, I'm using Lord Chess, I don't need to. 
but I, I think he's a, a damn good kicker. I mean, 200 points, maybe a little bit under. Hopefully, we'll fix that. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see him well. So, if we can get him in. I think Eternal Warrior would be the only thing that would put him over the top on that. I don't think it's really required. Yeah, I, I think that's maybe thrown out a little bit too much in the heresy. There should only be a couple guys at Eternal Warrior. I think it should be Sigmund, Sig Sigismund, Abaddon, and of course every single Salamander. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, they they all they all got those capes. That that cape meant what the Elder Drake man. So it's all about you know they just get that. Um. All right. Do you have Marku says? Yes. Yeah. Marduk Cedrus. So he is the Eschaton of Eternal the Eschaton. So I, I might butcher this here real quick, but <laughs> Eschaton is somebody has, who has overseen the end of a planet and a race. So they've completely exterminated a species. And that is what the Dreadwing does. So he is the guy that the Dreadwing. Uh, or he is an Eschaton of the Dreadwing. So he is not just kind of, I guess I should go his war gear pretty much yeah. represents end of the world. I mean, he's got phosphorx bombs, it's death of the world. I mean, it's really just saying that the Dreadwing is like scary ass <laughs> section of the uh, night, uh, Dark Angels coming in and gonna really mess up the planet. Yeah, he's he's got a he's got a badass sword that called the Death of Worlds. It's his sword that has like uh it has welded fragments of adamantium from each of the hive cities that has fallen under that has been destroyed under the eschaton so they've taken a piece of that metal and made this huge blade it's plus five strength ap2 melee unwieldy and it has recursive worlds so invulnerable saves taken against Hits inflicted by this weapon are reduced by minus one to a minimum of six plus. So that's that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's not game breaking, but it is kind of fluffy. Thoughts on that? I think it's um I, I picture this in my mind as a cloud sword from Final Fantasy VII, like the giant like sword. Beat up. I think it should be like super like a. Like there's no point on it. It's just like flat at the end, kind of like that that new sort of the uh, that new Space Moon box, and then just super like chipped up and beat up. Yeah. yeah. Strength plus five though. So he goes to strength nine, which is woo. Well, on a strength plus five sword, I think what Mongo was saying, I I don't think it should have a point. It should be like the most rugged sword going. Like just yeah. designed to shatter bones. Yeah, you, you're you're not cutting, you're smashing. Right. <laughs> it's it's game over. <laughs> uh so I actually um I actually found the uh PDFs for the other two characters, which are uh Therith Redloss, who's the master of the Dreadwing, and Halgreen, who's the also master he's the master of the Deathwing. Yep, so and both of those characters uh, feature 
in the uh, Forest Heresy novel series quite a bit. Quite a bit. So do you, do you guys want to go over that, or do you want to skip because they've kind of been out for a while? Uh, if you want to touch on them quickly. The only thing that I really want to touch on, um, I'm not going to get into rules or anything, but uh, Ferris Redloss has a Mastercrafted Power Axe, which is in a legion of dudes who use swords. It just, it's just kind of weird. Yeah, that's how they wrote them in the books, so it'd be kind of weird if they didn't give that to them. Gotcha. If you want to touch on the lion. Um, the delayed reaction. I mean, the lion's yeah. rules have been out for a while at this point. Yeah, yeah a lot of the rules have been out. Um, I I think he's awesome. I think he fits the bill. I think he's real expecting. good. He's good. He's not an army buffer. He's, he's a dude stick. He's a killer. That's what we thought. Right, yeah. he can go toe to toe with some of the toughest ones out there, and if you get lucky, he'll kill them. If not, well, they're still at the top of the pack. So I'd, I'd rank him as one of the top dude stick firearks, and, and that's it. Right. Uh, cover. Uh, which sword do you reckon is going to be attached to him if you play against him? Dual blade, no <laughs> question. <laughs> Wait for it. It's definitely the wolf's blade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like... I think the lion sword's cool as shit. Uh, it, it's oh, got yeah, Fleshbane and Lance on there, I mean. <laughs> it, they're, they're, when it comes down to it, they're both pretty pretty even, in my opinion. Well, I mean, with the wolf's blade, your strength can AP2. With strength. And fearsome room. So. Is there anything that's T10 in the game? With shred? No, 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 no. Anything that's toughness 10. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. So no matter what, I think you're pretty much always going to be wounding more with the wolf blade than you will with the lion sword, even though the lion sword is flesh bane. And, actually, because against things like um, like <laughs> Death Guard, interestingly enough, would, would get a 4-up team of pain against the, the lion sword. Right. Yeah. Flesh <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh that would be pretty funny. Well <laughs> Yeah, and it's only strength seven because uh, Well it doesn't matter because it's um Oh yeah, I guess it would, yeah, because it, it would go off his yeah, it's strength user, yep. Yeah, so they it, would still get feel no pain. Right, because if it was strength eight it'd just double amount. Yep. So I don't know. Wolf's Bane sounded pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Well, on that note, we'll end the Dark Angel and move over to the Shady Night Lords. Yes. So he hid it. In one place he knew he could hide something. His ass. Five long years he wore this watch. Up his ass. Then he died of dysentery. He gave me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass. Two years. Yay, new Shane, who's just as angry. This is your favorite part. (laughs) Just as angry, less drunk, and and now with 100% more flayed skin. (laughs) Excellent segue into the Night Lords. 
the perfect segue into the Night Lords. So, on first glances, before we kind of dive into this any deeper, first thoughts? <laughs> yes, Flamescape. What? What? Go ahead. Yes, flayed skin. More flayed skin. We need more. And hand, I never wanted to play answer. Night Lords until I fucking saw this list. Until yeah. they came out this time. Now mm -hmm. I love them. They are right. fucking cool. Fucking cool is a great example. So this segues us into what has changed. Well, let's start with uh, the Legion rights. Uh, well, the benefits of playing as a Night Lord player. Uh, so the, the benefits, uh, their, their Legion rules, they clarified. Uh, so now, uh, I think the biggest clarification was really for Atonement for Murder, um, where, uh, you know, you don't auto-wound on Power Fists anymore. Shame on you if you did that. Shame. You're gonna cut your hands off and put them on an armor. Um, I think that was really the biggest change. I think they, uh, they made it so that, uh, Monstrous Creatures counts five models. Uh, so, you know, imagine, like, a Praveen with a, a squad of Borax, like, you're just, you're not gonna outnumber them. Um, I think those were really the biggest changes to the core rules. There were some tweaks to the Rights of War. Um, Terror Assault looks really freaking cool now. I mean, it was cool before, but it's very good. They kind of melded Terror Assault, and uh, I forget what the other one was. It was, um... It was like a murder carnival kind of thing. Uh, they melded those two together, uh, and then the new the new rights war, which we'll get into, all look very cool. Some are cooler than others. So the same thing that we said in the Dark Angel section. This is actually has it stated. I don't know why they didn't put this on the Dark Angels too. Like I said, they probably had forgot that it was there. Is this is now the official rules for the Night Lords? Anything before that is been thrown out the window so anyone running old rules they're wrong this is the rule just so people don't think we're being biased and saying that dark angels should follow it it's the same for both yeah oh i will say they did add the headsman's axe which is fucking metal like <laughs> time to strength ap3 and it's got rending yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Woo! So that's that's really spot on for the Night Lords. I think what they did with them is just bring them in line with where they should have been. They're they're not overpowered. They're not crazy. They I think they fit. That they're awesome, and I think that the fluff that they've put out with this, you know, it is pretty cool. I never really gave Night Lords much thought before they got this update, and honestly, I I almost want to run these more than I. Going around Dark Angels now. It's a fucking cool as shit. Yeah. Between the um they kinda tweaked their color palette a little, which some people like, some people dislike. I'm I'm in the like camp. Um I, I think it makes them just give a little bit more more interest and in, in saturation to the armor. Um <clears throat> but I honestly think that uh Dark Angels I I'm sorry, Night Lords, um their Legion rules probably fit their Legion fluff the best out of any of the Legions. I would agree. I, you know, if you... The uh, Night Lords are a bunch of gangs that just assemble together. And I feel like the Legion really comes across that at that point. 
Yeah, gangs yeah. of murderers. The the fluff that was written is these dudes just don't give a fuck. No gods, no masters. These guys don't give a shit about chaos. All they care about is fucking murdering. That's it. Hands down. I think it comes across. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think the rules <laughs> hit it. I think the fluff really fills it out. And uh, the models look awesome. Everything else. Top notch. Good work, Forge World. Yeah. Awesome job. Well done. All right, so let's move on to the bit that we we've taken a while, and I know me and Carl have had like three, four hours of discussion on building some lists with a certain right of war in the Night Lords <laughs> Legion. Um, but let's go with Rise of War. All right, which one's your favorite? Which one do you think is going to be seen the most, and uh, where can you see the challenges coming from? Uh, you Amiga? Yeah, go for it. So my favorite is the bloodied gauntlet, um, which is kind of uh, I see it. It's very analogous to the uh, white scars, uh, Cesar Mazan. I know I butchered that, but uh, basically just a bunch of dudes who are, um, you know, they're they're condemned to death within the legion, so they don't really give a shit if they live or die. Uh, and yeah, it's just a just a bunch of dudes. Um, I think the right you're going to see the most of is Terror Assault because it's it's very good. Um, and it's also very easy to do, whereas I think the other the other three Grits of War are much more challenging to build a list for. Uh, Terror Assault, easy. Why, why would you say the Terror Assault is the easiest one to build? And why do you think it's the best? Uh, so, <clears throat> Terror Squads, really good. Night Raptors now, really good. Uh, those are your compulsory troops choices. You need to take three of them. So, uh, but you have two really good choices. So it's not really a downfall. Um, Cover of Darkness is now. It used to be you roll for night fighting. Now it's guaranteed turn one. Uh, on turn two, it carries on on a three up, uh, and on turn three on a six up, which is just nuts and. Uh, Night Lords, or any models with the uh, Legionary Stars, Night Lords special will gain one initiative and plus one to their run distances during night fighting, which is whew. That is pretty ridiculous. It is good, man. Like, this is this is a good right of war for Night Lords. So, you mentioned the Bloody Gauntlet, and this is one we have actually talked about in great extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so th this is this is my personal uh, favorite right of war out of this book. Um, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's as good or useful as Terror Assault, but I do think it's very fluffy, um, and uh, I I just think it would be really cool to see on the table. Um, so I guess I'll just because it is my favorite, I'm just gonna read out the um, the little fluff bit right here. <clears throat> so. The bloodied gauntlet. The marks of the doomed in Nostroman gang culture. A red hand denoted a warrior serving under a sentence of death, waiting only for their master to administer punishment. At the outbreak of the Thramus Crusade, it would also serve as the mark of those warriors who held their loyalty to the Primarch as greater than their lust for death and blood. On the field of battle is a tactic rarely employed, as it would most often end in the death of those committed to its cruel doctrine but was devastating in its effect. 
Gathering together the doomed, the marked, and the abandoned, a bloody gauntlet was thrown into the teeth of the enemy with its singular goal, death or glory. For those warriors assembled as the vanguard, they would see their badge of shame expunged with either the foe's blood or their own. They were the finest of line breakers, for they had long since accepted their deaths and shed away from nothing that the enemy could throw at them. I mean, it pretty much says that they uh, know that they're going to get butchered or do the butchering. Yeah. The only thing that I would change about this right of war is it really, like, I think you should have to have a Morichat leading it. Yeah, well, so I think this was, like, our big question mark in this is the description of you the hq in this yeah it's... so let me let me go through the the rules i guess for it real quick um so the effects of this right of war the bloody gauntlet all compulsory choices in this attachment must begin the game deployed on the table or enter play on the first game turn so termites and pods these units gain the zealot special rule and if destroyed, do not grant the opposing player any victory points, regardless of the mission being used. And then their second effect is through death, victory. If this game ends as a draw, or with the player that has chosen this right of war as the loser, then the player, then that player gains plus D3 victory points if all their compulsory choices have been destroyed. Units from this detachment entering play from reserve after... Game turn three, gain the outflank special rule. And the limitations are you have to, if you're using this Red of War, you have to take a, an additional two compulsory elite choices. They must be infantry and may not be equipped with Terminator armor of any kind. Compulsory choices in this detachment using this Red of War may not hold or contest objectives of any kind and never count as scoring units. No compulsory choice may select a dedicated transport and a compulsory HQ choice may not be selected as the army's warlord, and all non-compulsory choices must be game, begin the game in reserve. So, so there's some weird limitations on this. Um, I think the way... <clears throat> I get, Okay, so, so we'll address them one at a time. So two compulsory elite choices, that's pretty easy. I mean, you can literally, you could just take two apothecaries in separate units. It's 110 points, I think. And uh, and boom, you, you've solved that. And, I mean, apothecaries in your fearless units already are pretty good. So... No, I, that's not really the, the point that comes in question. It's the, um, you know... The warlord? It is totally the warlord, because... How, yeah, it's, can you it's take a right of war without having a compulsory HQ as your warlord? Yeah, I, I think I did a little bit of more digging on it, and uh, I think you can. You would just have to have that warlord as the as like your your second HQ choice. So you'd have to have your non compulsory as like your first choice because you get um you know you don't have to take multiple in in a crusade. There's just one compulsory. Right. Um, so you just have to select that as, um, as a non-compulsory, but it still can't be a Mortad because a Mortad has the, um, support officer. So it can't be a, you, you really have to take like a Centurion, a Champion, 
Um, Chaplin, maybe? I don't think Chaplin has it. Uh, there's there's a couple where you can take, and then, you know, you can have your Praetor, or my suggestion is to do a Herald. Um, yeah, then you were big he on gains, the Herald. Yeah, he, he gains scoring. Plus, I think it would be really cool. You could freehand, like, a big red, like, handprint right on, right on that banner. We're here for death. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, this is definitely, like, I just think this right of war is so thematic you can have dudes with just you know a gauntlet like a handprint like right on their shoulder pad and like you can have a lot of red gauntlets in this right of war or you could even do just one um you know signifying within the legion that that those they're marked for death well i mean mongo what's your opinion as a i'm running a moritad for the warlord or just on the right of wars in general you've been pretty quiet I love it. Like, I I I think the fucking bike right war is pretty fucking badass and cool, and especially yeah. because uh, like I guess it's not really in favor for them. Like it's not the. Uh, it, it, I guess it's like what kind of frowned upon by right, the I... uh, by the night lords to run that, yeah. and I think that makes it that much fucking cooler. Do you want to bring us to that one, then? Sure. Sure. Uh, Calling you out. Lou Shane definitely called you yeah. out, though. Yeah, you're, you're totally calling me out on that one, and I'm... <laughs> I'm uh... one, page 179. So we're, no, we're, I, we're talking I about am, the Swift I... Blade, right? Uh. Yes, page 178. Yep, Swift Blade. Yep. So, no true leaders, detachments of this right of war must take a minimum of three compulsory HQ choices and may take up to five HQs. Which, okay, sounds cool. What makes it even cooler is, though, all of those HQs count as your Warlord. <laughs> so, to get Slay the Warlord, they have to kill all of those HQs. Which are all on bikes, so they're T5. Which are all on bikes. Yep, all T5, all on bikes. Pretty, definitely very, very interesting. Your troop choices, um, Huskar, your Hussar squadrons in the, must be taken in that attachment as your compulsory troop choices, and Legion Outrider squads may be taken as troop choices. So you'll have two um, Hussar squads, and then you can take whatever Outrider squads that you want with those. Uh, vehicles with a tank type may only be taken if they also have the fast one, so you can definitely take Sakarans on that. Oh, yeah, because that's a limitation right there. And what what else is kind of cool is units wholly comprising of models with a Legion of Starts Night Lord special rule from this detachment. I, I, it's going to be kind of hard to, to make units without that, so almost every unit is going to have this when you do it. Um, add plus two to their total unit size when determining whether they outnumber an enemy for the purposes of a talent for a murder special rule. So maybe that would come into play if you're running Shattered Legions and you were running this and you wanted to do it, but either way, it's definitely not a drawback. So it helps you out with your talent for murder special rule. Some of your limitations. Um... You must take an additional an additional compulsory troops choice, so you'll have to take another set of bikers. Not a big deal. 
You cannot take any model whose rules state that it must be the army's warlord. Including, but not limited to, to Kurs. So you cannot take Kurs with his Red War. He or hates he hates motorcycles that much. Yeah, they're very dangerous. He doesn't want yep. to, he can he foresaw all their deaths and terrible. Very deaths. dangerous. Two wheels. Two wheels. Very bad. Very, very bad. <laughs> Would he be okay with attack bikes? Attack bikes? Mm, they got three wheels. I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> he was scarred. Maybe he was scarred when he was a little baby Primark by by a bikers. Oh, he was definitely scarred by something. So this is also another kind of questionable how do you take the right of war if you can't take a HQ that has to be the army's warlord? Like well, there's... No, there's I think, the... Yeah. There's only a couple units that have to be the warlord. They're usually special characters like the Primark right. and um, I think Sev has to be the warlord, but I'm not sure on that. Yeah, that's that's really what that comes down to is they have to be that that army's warlord. So you can still take a Praetor and it not be your army's warlord. So th it's definitely doable. It's pretty cool. Uh, you can't take heavier immobile units, so you're not taking a bunch of tanks. You're not taking artillery, and you can't take that right of war as a loyalist. So I don't know who plays loyalist night lords, but get out, get out, and like this. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's interesting, too, the way they wrote that. This right of war may not be taken by a detachment belonging to the Loyalist faction. Like, I don't know if they were just trying to say that it's, like, traitor only, or if they're implying something there. Um, I do think one of the more interesting rules, uh, like, points in that that we didn't touch upon is the encirclement. So they add plus two to their total unit size. So if you've got bikes, right? Bikes are very bulky, so they count as three models. So you get an extra six models right there. Oh, we totally talked about that. No, I, it, I know you mentioned it, but you didn't specify how bikes count for three. You get six models. Just a ten-man bike. Yeah, it's not. No, each bike doesn't get plus two. It's the unit gets plus two. Right, but each bike, no, but each bike counts as three. Okay, I thought you were saying each bike also gets the plus two. No, no, no. each bike counts as three, so you get an additional six if it's all bikes. Well, for example, if you take a ten-man squadron, which that's a lot of bikes. That's <laughs> a lot of bikes. They count as thirty models, and then you're getting plus two on top of that. Like you got thirty-six. Like thirty. 32. No. Because they're all bikes. See, I read that as you get plus 2 to the total unit size. So because the units are bikes, you get plus 3 and plus 3. What? Uh, there's some stuff in this book that definitely needs a little bit of math, like you. Yeah, I think we need to work on your math. Yeah, it just says add two to the total unit size, so it's thirty-two. That's that's the way I read it. But each each unit in that is a bike, which counts as three. Right, but the total unit size so it would of go a to ten-man bike squad in, is in thirty. Your, in your example, 
that 10 would go to 12. Oh, you're saying to don't... Uh, okay, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, so in, in your example, it's that unit is now counted as 12 bikes, not 10. Oh, I see right. what you're saying. Um, I don't F know if I can answer F that right now. I'd have, I'd have to read up more on that, yeah. FAQ on that one. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely some stuff in here that needs a, a little bit of clarification. Um, but do we want to go over the, I guess... Units, the units, my friend. Oh, units. Well, I mean, we are forgetting the Cross of Bone, but honestly, that Road of War is a little forgettable, so I don't blame you. <laughs> well, I mean, would you consider it the worst one? Uh, Out of these four, yes. Then, okay, Cross of Bone, what, what's so bad about it? Um, it's still better than the Dark Angels. <laughs> God, you're starting to sound like me in that level of salt in there. Yeah. Um, I just, I think it's just kind of, it's kind of a weird right of war. Like, I don't, I don't really see like the the purpose of it. You don't see the. Um, uh, you know that that might just be me, but yeah, I um, I don't, I don't really, I don't really get what they're trying to go for in that. There's gonna be some guy out there that finds a purpose for this, and he's gonna message the show and go, "Hey, new Shane, I found the purpose for <laughs> the crossbone, cross a bone." He's probably the same guy who who really likes to run horror cult too. Probably. All right. So enough of the right walls. Let's move on to the units, which I think is probably where some people are a little bit salty, aka one person, or <laughs> uh, just in general. So. The major one, terrorist, terrorist squad. Right? I believe me and you had this argument or discussion where we were talking that terrorist squads are now bad, but actually if you take into their point deduction and what they can take now, it actually equals out that they're, they're, they're a little bit better. Yeah, I think terrorist squads are, are definitely better. Plus, see, you can give them rotor cannons now, which are completely useless, but look oh so cool. <laughs> 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 and, and and you know honestly like i see terror squads as the perfect like uh i guess terror to um militia and i mean you're, you're just adding rotor cans on man like dude militia is gonna be even more afraid of you <laughs> so not being too familiar with the uh night lords uh would you say their distance that they can now move in the terror squad is less or more or about equal? Uh, I think you're thinking of raptors because they can. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, terror squads. I think the biggest change to them is they got a they got a point decrease um in their additional um like up to additional uh their executioners or the squad members, um and they can all take melt the bombs now. Which is that was their biggest, um, that's their biggest downfall. Was they weren't able, they weren't able to, they could only take it on a sergeant. But now, now everybody can take melt bombs. So that dreadnought does not look oh so scary anymore. Yeah. Uh, and bolt guns are free now, which are, it's not bad. It's an extra two points you're saving. Right. Anything to lower the cost and make them more yeah. efficient. So now you know. The Contentcar Terminators. Okay, I got I got something to talk about these Contentcars. So, 
All right, so they're all equipped with the heavy flamer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So in, in this, it says any Kantekar may exchange their flamer for a Volkite Cavator. Does that mm-hmm. include the Dissident? Because the slot before that says the entire unit may be upgraded to have teleportation transponders for two models. Why didn't they just say the entire unit may be upgraded to have Volkite Cavators? Or is um, it that the sergeant, the dissident, can't take them? I guess rules as written, the sergeant can't take one, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't no. think. And and you know, honestly, at ten points per model, I don't think anybody's going to argue with you of it over it. No, just take <laughs> it. Who cares? <laughs> I think that that ten points for a cavator is um, a bit high, considering it's basically like a like a sawn off um, Volkite Colbaron. Yep, but um, doubled. Well, it's like a Volkite Charger. So a Volkite Charger is usually a five point upgrade, right? Mm-hmm. This is twice. You shoot twice as much, so it's about twice. It's a little bit stronger, yeah, a, slightly shorter range. But a Colvarin and a heavy sports squad is only 10 points anyways. Which is, and it's range 40, is it 45, 46? It's that weird one. Mm. Like, I honestly think that you just should have been able to give them Volkite Colvarins, which I think would have been super freaking cool. And give them, like, make them, like, a heavy destroyer feel. And they would have been, dude, I would love to run a 15-man squad of, uh, Contagars with uh, Volkite Colbarans. Like, my god, what a point sink, but... <laughs> You're just gonna point them at a, at a... You know, any sort of infantry unit. It's just gonna evaporate. If you play ZM, you really don't need anything beyond a 10-inch range anyway, so... Eh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, I think in ZM, honestly, you're probably better off with the Heavy Flamers. Because they'd gain Shred. Right. Um. So I mean, that's it's pretty good, and I mean, it's so all you're D3. so okay. So you're looking at shred on a three plus to wound or a strength six two plus to wound, right? Yeah, but you've got a. I'm assuming that they're charging you. Okay. The ten inch so is pretty short. You so with your ha- how many wounds does a heavy flamer do? D six or D three? It's D three. Okay. Well, this has four hits. Right, that you got to roll for. True. Chances are you're going to get at least three. If you're if you pass your initiative check, yeah. You're probably going to pass your initiative check on a four or less chance. Probably, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't think I don't think they're bad. I just think ten inches is really short outside of um, ZM. I think it's it's really really short. Um, especially for that point cost. Maybe if it was a if it was a free upgrade or even like a five pointer I could see it, but at ten points it's just I don't know. Where would you put them in terms of the Legion um Terminator squads? Would you say they're high up on the list or pretty low down? Uh in terms of the unique ones? Um well, in terms of point cost slash effectiveness. I think they're pretty effective, honestly. Yeah, you got chain blades, you got trophies of judgment. Yeah, 
trophies of judgment are on the whole unit too. It's not just the sergeant, so you don't lose that fear if the sergeant yeah. dies. Like I, it's pretty good. Okay, here's something else, Kyle. Since you mm-hmm. play Sons of Horus, the Eschaton Power Claw. Yeah. Let's. I wonder. That'd be fucking cool if they show some of those. If uh, that becomes an option for Sons of Horus. Yeah. So a power fist, really, it's a power fist with melee, shred, and unwieldy. What it doesn't have is specialist weapon. Yes. Which is pretty which, badass. Yeah. Um. I mean, granted, like here, it's only in you only see it in terminated armor, so it doesn't make that big of a deal. But I think if you were to see it, um, like on, like a Praetor, this would be really good because then you wouldn't have to buy that other specialist weapon to get the extra attack. Um, and, you know, honestly, being Shred is really good on a Power Fist, because, dude, I don't think there's a worse feeling in the world when you roll a 1. Oh, on your, uh... When your Power Fist just totally whiffs, yeah. There's nothing worse. Yeah. That It's a great weapon, and they got great weapons from so... You know, I'm pretty excited to see them on the tabletop. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, I mean, we don't have the models yet. We've seen the the previews for them. They don't look terrible, I don't think. Huh? I think they look good. I'm backing it. And totally backing it. Uh, one thing I just want to mention real quick: uh, these guys can go up to fifteen man strong. Oh, yeah, it's a. Uh... Big I mean, it's a, it's a huge point sink, right? <laughs> but like, fifteen man Terminator squad. I mean, if you like to run the Death Star, go for it. I don't even think a Spartan can take that many. No, it can't because it'd be thirty. Right. But so, you can teleport him. You can teleport him in. That's true. That is true. That's kind of scary when they're coming in as a fifteen man <laughs> unit. It's like a 700-point unit. It just goes off the table. You're shooting four shots each? Yeah, that's 60 shots there, buddy. <laughs> At yeah. strength six? Yeah, that's uh, a lot of shots. Yeah, it's also a uh, pretty expensive unit. <laughs> if you take the cab door, it's an extra 140 points because the sergeant can't take one. <laughs> On an already <laughs> expensive unit. All right, well, we'll move this on because we're just uh, what's the best way? Yeah, uh, drooling over a unit that is could be potentially very dangerous. Uh, so let's uh, you know move on to the night raptors. You know, um, I think the night raptors. There, I don't think there were a lot of huge changes. Uh, like, um, they did go to. They are really now like vets in. Um, with a jump pack because they went to two attacks a pop. Um, they did. Uh, they did drop by. Um, by five points on their additional squad members, and their power weapon and their chain glaive price dropped as well by five points. So really, for plus twenty points, which is the original squad member price, um, you're now getting an extra body with either a chain glaive or a power weapon um, with, with two attacks a pop. 
and they can use their jump pack in the movement in the assault phase. Like, that's pretty good. It is pretty good in my eyes, so... To be honest, I still think they're just as scary. Oh, they're way scarier now. Like, this is, this is going to be, I think, a really high-priority target, because they're going to quickly be... Especially, imagine them all... Not even just with power weapons, because you're going to want to nestle a few power axes in there, but just with chain glaives, I mean, you run into another marine squad, and you're just going to decimate them. I can see that. I, I I mean, you pretty much covered it very well. I mean, for the people who are moaning, the, the point decrease with the abilities and what they're able to take now and, and get the benefit, it's it's scary enough. I, I think they've done a really good job on them. And, and that color plate looks really good. Yeah, I mean, right next to it. the artwork on them in the book nine is actually really good. Giving you that grimace effect that these guys are just lunatics. Yeah, they're they're almost like they're they're getting a little uh little world eaterly. You know, I think I think by this point in the in the heresy they had definitely thrown off um any uh any shackles of uh sanity. <laughs> Being loyal to the Emperor just doesn't matter. At this point they're just like fucking let's just kill people. Yeah. So there is one unit that I now think is absolutely a monster, and it happens to be Savitor. With his uh, with his uh, additional thirty five point upgrade. Yes. Yeah. You I almost to... wish that they just gave it to him off the bat. Just made him like straight out two hundred and ten points. Yeah. <laughs> I you 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 pay the thirty five points, do the upgrade. This guy is probably going toe to toe with some Primarchs. Yeah, I think um, maybe not a Primarch, um, but yeah, definitely any Marine character. He is uh, pretty much going to annihilate. Um, yeah, he's he's in the top uh, special characters now. Yeah, especially in a challenge because all of his attacks become instant death. Uh, he's gonna go before you because Night Whispers has Duelist Edge, just plus one initiative, so he's I seven. And if he's in Terror Assault, that goes up to I eight if it's Night Fighting. It's gonna be one scary guy coming up to it. He's, <laughs> he's gonna be very scary. And um, I think the uh, the Repressed Psyker Precognition. I don't have my rule book, but I think that has to deal with. Um, like, failed attacks? I don't really do psychic powers. It's kind of like a... Many people do. When, when, you, when you call up to them, you're like, damn, that's in the heresy? God damn it. <laughs> I mean, no, nobody does psychic powers. I can just make this shit up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. it just... <laughs> I, I just... I, I think he is now at a point where he is probably one of the best characters in the game. Yeah, and, and he's got a nice new portrait too. So, kudos to that. Yes. Doesn't it, doesn't Sevatar go on to found the Green Knights, or is he one of the guys that? that... And the jury's still out on that one. I don't think anybody actually knows what happens to Sevatar yet. I was wondering if it'd be cool to have. Of course, it'd have to be false rule. 
but you're breaking, Sam... up. you're breaking up for me, man. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, Seb is definitely um definitely full full trader. Yes. He is and they even may only be taking part as a trader. Mm-hmm. Uh professional I I think he's great now. I I honestly can't complain. I think he's great for the points. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he lives past the Siege of Terra. Because yeah. we don't hear anything about him after that. You have the Night Lords series, they don't really talk about him. Well, they say, the only thing I think they mention in it is, um, uh, is that he dies. But, I mean, it's Warhammer. Who actually knows what happens to him? Right. Maybe he doesn't die. Maybe well, not. he gets resurrected and, and become, um, not even going now. <laughs> Maybe Call brings him back. <laughs> so I uh, beyond Falcus, that, Falcus Kyber. <laughs> I mean, we have two other characters. Kyle, you want to touch on them because I also think these are pretty good characters too. Uh, you're not talking about Courage, right? You're talking about uh, Flame Master. Well, there's there's uh, Nacrid Thole, who's actually the fourth seven in the book. Uh, he's the faceless prince, the master of the crossed bone. Um, which I think, I think this dude is pretty cool. He's got some really cool rules. Um, he's definitely, he's. I don't think he's like supremely good. I think he's a dirty fighter, which I love for the Night Lords, because uh, he's got a really, really cool rule. Um, yeah, from his flay whip where. He basically, he's got, like, this whip as his main hand, and then he has this devil's do, which is, like, a little dagger in his offhand. And basically, if you, if you take, uh, if you take a wound from, uh, yeah, from the flay whip, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, from devil's do, which is the dagger, if an enemy model in base-to-base contact with this model has its initiative value reduced, by the effects of any other weapon or special rule, then this model, being Necrothol, may make a single additional attack against the enemy model. This additional attack is made immediately before the enemy model would attack, and then it uses the profile for the Devil's Due shown above, which is Strength plus 2, AP 2, Melee, Unwieldy, Devil's Due, Murder Strike, Mastercrafted. He's just coming out of nowhere with this little dagger, this slow dagger. I don't know what it actually is, and you, he could you, just annihilate you. It's a hatchet, a short-handled oh, hatchet of black metal. Oh yes, one there it side is. sports a curved moon-shaped blade, and the other a long, wickedly hooked spike. In battle, its surfaces its surface is superheated by a miniature, automatic, automatic coil allowing it to cut through even the thickest armor with ease despite its small size. Nacrothol wielded the Devil's Dew in his left hand, keeping it hidden from his opponent until the moment of the target's weakness, and then striking a fatal blow from surprise. Like, that's just so Night Lords. Like, that's but so Night Lords. You have to read the, the Web of Steel, which is, comes from the Flay Whip. Yeah, so the Flay Whip is, um, it, it's strength users, so strength 4, AP 4, um, melee rending, 
electrocharge web of steel specialist weapon. So he's got four attacks, so you're getting four attacks with it. Um, electrocharge is any model that suffers an unsaved wound from this weapon reduces its initiative value to one until the end of the controlling player's next turn. Which means if you hit him, say like a rending hit off that flay whip, and then their initiative value drops, and then you just get a free whack with that hatchet. What? It's which could combo. be, yeah, and that murder and that strike. hatchet has murder strike, so it could be if you're good at rolling sixes, it could be an instant death. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not right, I mean, you're still you're already down at least one wound from the flay whip. You know, or or you could you know you could also you know say say you're going you know against I don't know something else like a maybe Praetor like a Thunderhammer or something. You could just go with the Devil's View right away and just smack them with that, like you know in the in the I one phase, and then you'll just kind of kill each other. Right. It's it's kind of crazy though that you could get off a one-two punch with this guy so you use the flay whip and you're like oh this initiative one weapon gets to now stab you before you make an attack oh i'm sorry uh knackered thole has counter attack so he <laughs> he's going to five attacks no matter what cool. like on the on the charge on on first round of combat cool he, yeah. he's, in, he's gonna be a fun character yeah he he's there he's a dirty motherfucker He's a cheater. So then, you know, for the other characters, is there anything of relevance that people should be aware of? Um, glance through them. I think they're actually, I think these are reprints from book six. I know the Flame Master is because he's the Fallen Primus Medicae. And I think Tyrion is from. Book six as well. What I will say is Kurz has got a really cool picture on him now. Kurz has a really cool picture and none of his rules have changed, so he's still kind of meh. Right. He's, he's still eh. Yeah, um, I really... You know, Lewis, you and I were talking about how we could potentially fix Kurz. Like, I, I honestly wish that his King of Terrors ability affected everybody. Doesn't matter. Like, Custodes... Fearless units, Primarchs, you'd always have a minus three leadership, and you'd always have to make a fear check. Yeah, it, the, the fear check is kind of because, like, so many legions have stuff that just stops that now. Death Guard, it, uh, Salamanders are both immune to fear, right? Right. Um, so it kind of, like, takes away from, and Kurz is a scary motherfucker. Yeah, he's he's like angry Batman, without any, you know, limitation. With no ethics or morals. Uh, overall, I'll say I'm really happy with the Night Lord changes. Yeah. Mongo. I think that the Night Lord changes are. They're they're awesome. They're super flavorful. They're in line with putting them uh, points-wise and rule-wise with a lot of the other legions. I think they're great. I think that more 
I think that they're better executed than the Dark Angels ones. Not that I dislike the Dark Angels ones. I think they're good. I think they're right. I just think that the Night Lords overall uh, turned out a little bit. Maybe not better just rules-wise, but overall fluff-wise, model-wise, and uh, unit-wise. I think they're just cooler overall in the way that the rules work. Yeah, I think it really represents the they really are the the kings of the night and um you know they're they're the sandman who's going to terrify you in the darkness. Yeah, they did a great job with it. And it makes the dark angels it, it is tough because you have the dark angels right next to them, which I don't think I think there's some issues with that and I think it makes those issues maybe a little bit more amplified. I think it might be, you know, this might be a case of, because the Night Lords are really the first Legion to have a second Passover. Um, so that that could be part of the thing, too. You know, this is really like Night Lords V2. It's not Night Lords V1. Yeah, I, I really hope it's a thing of things to come in the future and that mm -hmm. they kind of revisit a lot of the older Legions and do that. And I, I know people are like, oh, Book 9 is not as big. It, there's not as much stuff. You know what, man? If you thought back like 15 years ago when you're in the hobby, did you really think that Forge World was going to be doing a full, a full series on the Horus Heresy in detail with these awesome ass books? So th these books are pretty awesome. Yes, it's not as long as the other ones, and it's a little bit more. It, it's still pretty awesome doing the Horus Heresy series that they've that they've been putting out. So. Before we, yeah. before we even get to that, I just want to quickly cover... I'm not going to cover some of the units that have actually come out and we've seen the rules before we actually got the book. Like the Saber, the Articulator, Bomber, the... Bombard. Bombard, whatever. At this point, the only two units that I'm actually really happy they added into this book was the Legion Hussar Squadron and the Legion Jetbite Skyseeker Squadron, which are both troops. Yeah, so, they're non-compulsory troops, but yes, they, they are troops. Right. So, it's it's great to see them in the book. I think it's excellent. It makes them more viable for, like, white scars. It makes them more viable for any Legion that needed a little bit more speed, like if you were running the reefing, that they fall under troops. Because you have to have more troops, and and you can't really have that many fast attacks, so it's great to add them in. I do think they're pretty good point costed. I would definitely go with the Hussar Squadron and get the uh, Snob Rotor Cannon on them. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's definitely a very flavorful option. Um, I think it would be good. Uh, actually, I, I think one of the reasons that um, would really benefit would be the Emperor's Children in the Maruscara, because they're all about like outflanking and stuff. Yep, um, yep. You know, quick, quick barks. And I think one of the big things about the Hussars that I really like is it's five basic dudes. Like, so you can, you know, Lewis, you, you can make your dream happen, man. You can do ten-man bike squads. Yeah. Ten man. Yeah, so I'll do you guys think they'll have a different model for these? Uh, I don't know. You know, honestly... I, I think you can probably make them work in, with the existing Mark IV model. I, I 
I actually think you could make them work with the the Mark Seven model as long as you change the the armor on it. I don't think there's really anything wrong with those bikes, particularly mm-hmm. you know, like going back to that Ember's Children, you know, because they kind of have that like eagle wing on them. I think that that would look really good with Ember's Children. Um, and uh, I definitely think the Snowboarder Cannon is just like such a cool plus point. Like he's charging, and like you got you got two little mini guns on there. You just dump a dump a box mag. Five five shots. Yeah, five shot. I know, Grant. It's only strength three, three, twelve inch range, but it's fun. It's a cool choice. I mean, if you weigh the dice right there, that's that's yeah. what you're going upon. The only thing I wish that they had is, uh, I do wish that they could all take melt bombs instead of just the sergeant. I think it was kind of a missed opportunity because I do think, you know. Dude's just driving up on bikes, you know, particularly like Night Lords, you know, just like some gangers. He's drive up next to a tank, you know, many of the tanks like driving along, trying to shoot at him. He's, you know, clank a melt bomb and, you know, they all just peel off and the tank blows up. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. Maybe they did that on purpose. Maybe they're reserving those for uh, elite units. Maybe. I thought they were a great addition in this book. Well, I'm talking about like full melta bombs for elite units, right? Yeah. Right. You see that. So you'll see like one on your on your basic troops, your tax squads. I think breachers are the only ones that can take melta bombs on everyone. Assault Marines too. Assault Marines can too? Okay. Yeah. They get real expensive, but they, they can take uh, melta bombs and a combat shield. So the, the jet bike squad is only a three plus armor save. And it yes. says the, what is it? It's a different type of uh, jet bike. The S-Talk jet bike. Yeah. Is that, so, is that I wonder similar if to we, the White Scars one? Um, I'm not sure. Um, it, it, The fluff on the side talks about how it's a, it's like a lighter jet bike. It's much quicker um, than like the larger scimitar pattern. So I wonder if we will get a different model for these. I kind of doubt it. Um, it seems like a very niche um, unit. I mean, I'd love to see it. I, I just I don't know if we will. We do. I think it's one of those that we will see it because it is niche and not many people will buy it. So they'll make a model for it, and <laughs> nobody's going to buy it. And it'll go just just like they'll make some uh, tanks for solar rocks and militia that nobody asked for. Yeah. Not that. I- Okay, not that I don't want them to make cool stuff like that. I just, I don't know. I think it's funny that they'll sometimes they'll make some stuff that we don't think is a high priority, but it'll get made by Forge Worlds. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, then, I like it. Then... It adds flavor. It's cool. Keep doing it. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes they, they kind of don't really, uh, you know, do so hot on their creations, and then, Sometimes you get stuff like the saber, which I think is awesome. Yeah, saber is super fucking cool. We had no clue that was coming. All of a sudden, bam, little baby tank. Smaller than a rhino. Pretty awesome. And yeah, those things are super awesome. They come with the, you can get them with all the different weapon options. They go together super well, super easily. Like, they're really well thought out the way they assemble. They look great. The casts are, are awesome. Forge World has definitely stepped up their quality lately in the casts and what they've been putting out. So 
kudos to them. Yeah. Awesome job on that. So. so on this note, we have pretty much covered... We're not going to cover the fluff on these two books just because we don't want to give away too much spoilers. You should definitely go out and own book nine if you can. Um, but th that's just really our opinion of the, the rule changes that have happened in book nine. Next if you guys could change anything in the book, would you? What would you do? Oh, that's a good question. I'd put Dark Mechanicum in there, too. I So, I have a rant, and I, I agree with Mongo on this one, is they already had the rules written for Dark Angels from Book 8. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me the only thing you did between now and then was to adjust the Night Lords? I think it needed something else. I think Dark Mechanicum would have been and it pictured with Dark Mechanicum models in, so I think it would have been a great opportunity to start releasing some Dark Mechanicum specific rules. Yeah, because if you open if you open it, not even to the first page but just to the inside cover, there's Dark Angels fighting, there's Domitar, Skillax, and a Warlord Titan in the background. It's a, a no-brainer. I mean, obviously, everyone's pointed out that the book is super thin compared to the rest of them, and was the most expensive. We're we're all aware of this, and you know, present scenarios uh, excluded. I think, in terms of the time and effort that they put into it, they, I, I feel like they could have added the dark uh, dark mechanicum in. we'll see right hopefully next book we'll see uh what treats they have in store for us if dark yeah. mechanicum actually do get listed so maybe they couldn't fit them in rework emperor's but, children because they need help yeah uh, maybe maybe they'll be up next maybe they'll get the same treatment as the night lords be pretty awesome but nine's a little short but i like it i'm reading through the fluff right now i'm pretty stoked um can't wait to get back to uh get back to my Dark Angels and uh, for the second iteration of them in the Heresy. So This we are transitioned out. For a second there, I thought he wasn't going to join us. Fucking Craig. Nope, not the person, the ball. Uh, Alright, so that was uh, our coverage on book nine. You know, Overall, what does everyone think? Uh, I like it. Thumbs I don't up. Think it, yeah, yeah, it's it's not perfect, but uh, I like it. Yeah, I'm 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 good for any heresy content. Yeah, I th I know I mentioned this before, but I think I I'm gonna mirror what what Kyle's saying there. I'm happy for any heresy content. I think it's awesome that Forge World are doing this. Um, is it up to par with some of the other ones? Maybe not. Right. Maybe not, but it's it, it's pretty awesome that they've stuck with it and they continue to do it. We saw where they didn't, right? I think a lot of us remember the Warhammer Fantasy ones. We saw Timercon. We saw, uh, what was it, Monstrous Arcanum, uh, yep. right? That, that series was never finished. We're still going strong with the Heresy stuff. It's pretty awesome. This wasn't up to the full thickness of all the others. You know, I, I don't think anything, it's going to be pretty tough to ever top book four or book six. Both of those are pretty awesome books. But uh, 
yeah, I'm super happy. You know, this is nothing that I would have expected, you know, 30 years ago when I was getting into the hobby and, and playing Space Marine. Like, yeah. oh, there's going to be a super awesome series on on the heresy, and they were going to focus on it and do this. So as much as we can get down about this one book, like, if you stay, take a step back and you look at the whole at, at it as a whole, it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to kind of separate the um, the business practices of the company, which can sometimes get us down with the the you know Price content gouging. that these content that these guys um, come up with. You know, because I mean, the first half of book nine is is all fluff, and I mean that's all it's all original content that people have to come up with. You know, and it blows my mind when I read it. So. Right. as well. The only thing I was disappointed by is the fact that the Dark Angels were written for Book Eight, so I would like to have seen something more. But that's really just me like nitpicking at it. Like, as a book as a whole, it's way better than Book Seven. Like, I don't look at that and go, "Wow." That's broken, that's broken, that's broken. I go, actually, for the point cost, it kind of works out. I'm pretty happy with the way they're at. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm going to nitpick, the only thing I can really nitpick is um, I want more uh, I want more heresy units, Forge World. Just abandon Lord of the Rings. The chip was cool 20 years ago. Just get rid of it. Throw it out the window. Necromunda is cool. You can keep that. Just have heresy and Necromunda, and, you know, 40k can, like, you know they can they can like feed off the heresy stuff, but that's it. Just cut the other crap. Just get rid of everything else. Throw it all out. I'm a big fan of Necromunda, so I I would be devastated if they got rid of some of the stuff in Necromunda. No, I said keep Necromunda. Necromunda is cool. I'm down with that. Necromunda heresy first. Necromunda second. Everything else is thrown out. Yeah, join <laughs> us. Join us for our next podcast. Road to the Underhive. <laughs> Road to the Underhive. It's quite a good name, actually. Huh. That's that's that would if we talked about but you're in the progress, hive. we'd have a whole lot more to talk about. But you're in you're in the hive already. There's Not if no you're out in the ash waste and you're taking the road to if the Underhive. If you're out in the ash waste, you're fucked. Um, no. I feel like we should uh, thank our Patreon supporters. It's just Blomez. Anthony oh. Gomez. He, he he actually pays money to listen to this show, and he's the only person who listens to it. On on that note, uh, thanks everyone for listening to this. Uh, I hope you, it was informative. Hopefully, the uh, next episode won't take as long to come out. Um, hashtag, we're not a real podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, all right, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> See you guys. See you, cats.